0: Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. Otcast. Verb. Interview with artists working today. Otcast. Noun. Insights into the work and process. Hello and welcome to Otcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Loading. Artist audio insight
1: I'm just a guy on a bike
0: let me just uh, officially welcome you Lauren Monk to podcast.
1: thank you it's my pleasure
0: yes great thank thanks you. for the interest um, no problem um well uh I guess we'll just jump into it and uh Uh, my, my first question is, uh, when you create a work, do you use any sketches or preliminary work in the process?
1: Well, um, I do, but, um, with my latest body of work, I guess, that I've been working on for about the last 10 years, um, it's not exactly, I mean, there are sketches about the design and things like that, but a lot of what I do is collect information and research. And, um, So it's a little bit different. You know, I used to have sketchbooks, and I still do have sketchbooks full of drawings and layouts and ideas. But now I also have um, files. So, you know, each painting, at least, um, you know, a lot of paintings end up having several versions. Each painting has a file that I build up with it, you know, with different um, titles. One of them might be the East Village, could be Williamsburg, uh, the History of uh, American Aesthetics, things like that. So, I guess I would consider the the collection of of the research as part of the same kind of process you go through when you're doing sketches and coming up with uh, designs and things like that
0: yeah that's that's interesting I mean I was curious about that like because i mean they're, they're they're obviously when you look at your paintings uh, you know and unfortunately i've only seen them online, hopefully that changes someday but i mean they, they, the viewer has to imagine that there's a, a lot of research that goes involved, you know, that, that that is involved in the process, whether it's, like, as you're talking about, whether it's files or or uh whether it's, um, you know, drawing sketches or what have you, but that's interesting. Yeah, um, no,
1: also, the great thing is that suppose you were working on some painting, you know, a classic figurative painting, you know, you'd be maybe doing sketches of a hand or this or that, and then you might be able to come along two or three years later looking, doing something else, but you say, hey, I could use that same kind of hand gesture here or there. Um, right. There's an analogy analogy to having collected a bunch of research, and so, you know, I'll, I'll be doing something about the addresses of people in on East 10th Street back in the 1950s, and then when I do something on the East Village in the 1980s, I'll start going, hey, there's a certain kind of cross-referencing of this and that, and so once you start to build the database, you can uh, you can use it in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, I imagine organizing all that must be a trick.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, it's all part of the part of the process, and uh, yeah, yeah. it's it just like I look at it just like doing a painting of a portrait of somebody's face or anything else. You you collect your information, you make your your uh, files or your your sketches, and then you start to build things up, and then but you keep all of these. Notes and sketches and things in a little pile on the side and uh, and just try to keep them available for you know future references
0: right right yeah um, now I guess um one thing I'd like to know is that do you use any technology in your work like photos of the computer
1: actually i do i i've been using even before I started doing the uh, the mapping and the uh, the diagrammatic pieces I used a lot of Photoshopping, you know, I love to um, make just black and white drawings that were kind of cubistic and then cut them up and collage them and then use Photoshop to, again, blow them up, turn them upside down, cut them in half, do mirror reversals, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Right now, probably one of the most um, useful things that I do with the computer is research. Um, Right. Besides Google, there's also some, um, some websites that you can get, uh, information on people's addresses. Uh, one, oh, of, wow. my wife turned me onto this one called Spookio, but she calls it Spookio because you can actually go onto this website and get a lot of information about people and,
2: uh, oh, wow. <laughs> their addresses.
1: Then you can Google map things and you can actually sort of, <laughs> I don't know whether you look at the Google, um Google Earth or some of the Google Maps where you can go down on the street level and, and actually look yeah, at people's, wild. people's houses and stuff like that and, and see the cars parked in front and all that stuff.
0: I know. You can sometimes catch people out there, too. It's funny. Right.
1: And uh, in certain ways, it's, it's frightening. But on the other hand, it's, um, it really shows you the kind of incredible potential that yeah. uh, the computers and um, some of these huge databases have. And in a lot yeah, of ways great I, totally I, I kind of feel like um, although I'm just one little guy with you know really bad uh, technical capabilities and sloppy bookkeeping and all that stuff I kind of feel like what I'm trying to do by compiling artists and addresses and neighborhoods and art movements and things like that is to kind of start for myself a. A kind of a similar database where it maybe perhaps sometime in the future people will be able to look back and go, geez, where did Ed Reinhardt live in 1958, you know, and things like that. So in certain ways I see a – maybe I have been influenced by that kind of um, technical research, online research in what I'm doing in my own work.
0: Yeah, it's great, and I, I find that with your work, um, the, the capture of it visually is amazing because it's not – I mean, it's a physical painting. I mean, we can stand in front of these things, and they're not interactive, but they are at the same time. You know, I mean, you can't click on a part of the painting, literally, but, you know, it really... The the webs that you create, you know, so to speak, on your paintings are are really, really something else.
1: Um, Thank you.
0: You
1: you know, I've had people ask me and and actually say, why don't you do this online? It would be so much better, or this, that. And um, my answer is always that basically... I am a painter, I'm not a, a computer yeah. technician, I'm not a, a website designer or any of these other things, I am a painter and it's for me, um, because a lot of the work that I'm doing is about painting and artists, it just seems um, extremely appropriate that I try to create the record of all that stuff using the material that I'm recording, you know, and, and sort of
2: Exactly. Using
1: itself to refer to itself and create the history of itself.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, the transfer from your, let's say, your online work or, you know, your your files and your databases and stuff, it, it translates so well into your painting. And it's just such, it's mind-boggling, that the undertaking that you, uh, that you go through. It, you know, I, I can imagine, like, putting this all on a canvas, or linen, I should say, um, just... And you use oil, with, I think, mostly. Am I wrong? Or is well, that...
1: no, it is. I, I am an oil painter,
0: although yeah. I do do work
1: on paper, and a lot of it is collage and mixed media and so on that way. Oh, okay. I use colored pencils and maybe acrylic paint and different things like that, but generally I do consider myself an oil painter, and like I said, I, I have a strong um, feeling for carrying on the legacy of, I guess, for lack of a better term, what would be called the New York School of Painting, which... Is about using oil paint and um, sort of appreciating the substance of oil paint and and the history of oil paint and all that stuff. So that's that's really important to me, along with the the recording uh, process.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great. And a lot of that is not really, um, you know, from just digging on the internet about you. It's it's a lot of the details aren't really there. It seems that to, to find and. There's just so much that you go through in order to put all this together, whether it's, you know, your videos or what have you. Um, it, there's, there's just so much there. And, and you know, I, I often wonder, you know, you have the the moniker James Common. I'm th- there's got to be at least two of these guys out there somewhere because one person can't do all this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well,
1: um, I have to give props to Kate. You know, I always say thank you, Kate. and um right. I really couldn't do anything without my, the support of my wife because she really um, she's my executive producer and the love of my life and um, yeah she yeah. she's the person that uh, really allows me to go out there and do all this crazy uh, stupid stuff so
0: right thank you Kate <laughs> yes again <laughs> if I may say so thanks Kate
1: she'll <laughs> <laughs> so appreciate that. it yeah
0: yeah um, so I guess my next question is how do you get yourself out of creative block.
1: Well, there's a couple of different approaches or different attitudes that I have to that. One of them is that um, I don't have the luxury of having a creative block. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, that's kind of of a spoiled uh, way of, you know, it's like I'm not... I'm not rich enough or privileged enough to be able to sort of go, ooh, I have a creative block today. I can't.
0: Yeah, here. I'll go have a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah,
1: so basically, um, although there are t- you know, what I find is that sometimes I'll start a project and I'll have a great idea and procrastination comes into it. And when I start okay. to look at it, the reason that the procrastination comes into it, I, I don't think it's so much a creative block as it's just this, this hidden desire to procrastinate is because usually there's an incredible pile of tedious work that I have to do. I I had a map. I'm doing an extended map of the East Village, and I've had the canvases stretched and ready to go for months, and I just kept putting it off and putting it off, and I I was putting out posts on Facebook about people that had addresses and any memories of their time in the East Village or anything that they would like to contribute, and I kept putting it off and off and off, and then I thought to myself, you know what, I know I'm putting this off just because there's a hell of a lot of like really tedious, time-consuming data entry and stuff like that. And then I just had to say, do it. And um, yeah, yeah. once you start doing it, of course there are, you know, and, and this goes back to talking about building the sketches and things like that. A lot of times people do, you know, extremely spend a lot of time doing sketches and things like that. I would have a hard time standing in front of my computer doing the data entry, you know, if you have to go out and and take 200 names and addresses and type them into your computer and and try to cross-reference these against uh, 85 galleries, that's a lot of time. But I just have to keep in mind that this is the same thing that I would be doing if I was doing a sketch of somebody's hand or a horse charging across the plane or... You know some kind of anatomy uh studies or something like that, so in that way right. I just i I accept the work and I just say grind away, grind away, grind away um, the other thing about the creative block is that because I do a lot of different things, I do painting, I do writing, I do the <sighs> videos, and um you know I also do a lot of things around the house right <laughs> uh whenever whenever I feel but I need a change. And a lot of times, it was—I wouldn't say it's even—it's—it's it's creative block. It's just maybe exhaustion, or you get stale yeah. on something. A lot of times, I'll just switch over to something else because I have a pretty, um, pretty regular schedule of trying to get out a certain number of videos every week, trying to spend a certain amount of time painting, trying to do, you know, write so many articles for the Brooklyn Rail. I pretty much have a good uh, variation in the different kinds of things that I'm doing. So that kind of keeps me from getting too burned out on any particular thing. A lot of times, though, um, I find the best thing to do is just to go into the studio, and if I've been painting or something like that for a long time, I'll just I'll do something that's totally opposite. So I'll go in and just do collages, and and rather than having some big plan or big idea, I'll just play, and that might yeah. mean just picking up scraps of paper or things on the floor and sort of sticking them on to to a piece of paper and shifting them around or uh, just do straight drawing from um, a still life or a photograph or something. Anything like that that kind of changes things up, I think. And and doing it seriously, where you just sort of lose yourself for an hour or two, I, I think is a great way to uh, kind of yeah. get out get out of the doldrums.
0: Yeah, the humdrum uh, of the day. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, well, there's. Um, I'm trying to think of what you said. Oh, the idea of play, I think, is important. We should probably never lose that, really. I mean, even though we are, you know, I think you said you plug away or plug away or what, how, I forget how you put it, but, you know, you, you can't lose that aspect of play in the work, I think.
1: Well, I think that's important, too, but, um, like I said, there's also, there's also a, you know, for me, there's a sense of just grinding, you know, grinding away. That's <laughs> Excuse right, me. Excuse yeah. <laughs> me. Uh, but in certain ways, you know, you have to consider that kind of a, a play time as well. Although it's yeah, not, may not, maybe not as fun, right? But uh, you know, you have to keep that going too,
0: right? To the, the, the pair the two together. Um. Now, uh, this is sort of a flowery question, uh, as I like to call it. Um, when do you feel like you fell in love with art, or feel you became an artist?
1: Well. That is a good question, and it's a difficult question, but, um, I, I, you know, I can still remember being a kid and going to, uh, I don't know what, maybe a JCPenney's or a Sears store when I was, <laughs> when I was a little kid with my mom, and we were walking through the home <laughs> furnishing section, and I happened to see a little sculpture, and it was a, you know, a little plaster copy of, uh, Michelangelo's David.
0: Oh, yeah. And,
1: um, I looked at that and, you know, I was sort of like, Mom, what's that? And it's like, oh, it's a sculpture. Yeah. I go, well, what's a sculpture? And uh,
2: you yeah. know, it's like,
1: what's well, a piece of art <laughs> I'm looking at? It, I'm going, <laughs>
0: right. oh,
1: that's kind of cool. Um, right.
0: What is that thing standing there? <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and uh, at that point I sort of said, art, well, what's that?
0: Yeah, right. And, it just um, opened the door, huh?
1: And there was always just, uh, you know, the love of drawing and looking, looking at pictures and I think this is another thing that I would like to kind of highlight is the fact that um, I think there's a very important aspect to being an artist that a lot of people don't really consider, and that is that uh, beyond someone that creates something, I think that it's also almost equally important to be aware and looking at what is being created. You know, a lot of yeah. people I know have this attitude of like, oh, it's all about me. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and Oh, I don't care what anybody else is doing, I don't care what anybody else is thinking or what they're looking at or what where the conversation is or anything else, I'm just gonna close myself up in the studio because I'm the most important thing and what I'm creating is the only important thing and Yeah. And in a lot of ways I find that as like a real dead end. And a lot right. of the people that I know that have been you know, sort of had that attitude for a while, in a lot of ways they end up being failures.
2: Okay. And
1: um And then turning very bitter, a lot of them.
2: Right.
1: And uh, so I just think that to kind of avoid that and to be part of the community, it's very important that you spend a lot of time not only working on your own stuff, but looking at a lot of other stuff, you know, supporting your friends, uh, looking at controversial shows, thinking about problems. And also, I think it's very important that you you're engaged in the conversation and the discourse about all this stuff and so in that way i i think that it's important for artists to really be engaged in what it means to be an artist and to be part of a tribe
0: yeah i, I know you brought that up before in another interview i think it was a uh... The first time I heard it was with a hyperallergic interview that that, that they put together about you.
1: Yes. Um, no, and I, I, you know, that's one of the points that, you know, when people talk to me about, you know, my practice and all these other things, I think that that's a very, it's very important for people to look and to be part of the tribe and to, to support and also, like I said, to talk about and be engaged with other artists and what
0: they're doing. Yeah, it's very important, I think. And, and especially with, um, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I have a couple of blogs, and, you know, I, I even with that, I, I think of it as an extension of my art practice myself. and Yes. Um, I feel bad in some way, if that's a correct way to use it, uh, just the idea that I'm not engaging in the blog world as much as I am, like, let's say, if I go to an art gallery or something, but I think that I wonder if somehow the commenting on other people's blogs are, are an extension of that, you know, like this sort of being a part of the community online as well.
1: I, I think it is. You know, the other thing, because I do a lot of different things myself, I also have to remind myself, you know what, I can't do everything.
0: I right,
1: do right. I, I do what I can do, and more than that, I can't do, and I can't apologize, you know, because every day I probably get 30 or 40 invitations, come to my show, come to this, come to that, come by my studio, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah I, sure.
1: I I do what I can do, and more than that, I can't do, and, you know, I I can't feel bad about, not being able to be everywhere and do everything, so but I try to do right, as yeah, much as I can.
0: Right, right. How do you uh, how do you feel? This may have been touched upon a little bit, but how do you feel the computer or the internet helps or hurts an artist?
1: Well, I'll go to the second part of the question first. The only way that uh, it can hurt an artist is if they're not engaged and they're not they're not using it and uh, availing themselves to what's available and the tools on the computer. Right. Um how does it help? Um, I think one of the continuing um, challenges that any artist has is getting your reputation, getting your work, getting your name into the public. And I think that the, the Internet and computers are probably the greatest um, opportunity that artists have had to do to, to get that kind of access you know, it says the, the printing press, or something like that. I mean, this is this is uh, something that's going to change the entire way that um, the art world and um, the consensus makers and all these other people are going to be affected. Um, I posted something today uh, on Facebook about the fact that uh, Harag Britaniam, the guy that is the publisher of Hyperallergic. Uh, started out and this is where I met him as a as a little young writer at the Brooklyn Rail. Yeah, yeah, he was doing reviews. Yeah. And but he was he was computer literate and he was writing a little blog and this was, you know, back in I don't know what, two thousand three or two thousand four where all that stuff was much more primitive than it is now.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And um he tried to push the rail into becoming more involved, uh In the online world and, and maybe having a more active, uh, website and things like that. And they, because they're kind of Luddites, you know, (laughs) they didn't really, they didn't really understand what he's going for. And, um, so a few years go by. He keeps building up his blog and, and doing some other things and getting involved in the, the kind of the blogger, blogosphere. And then he starts his own website with the hyperallergic and starts working that and a lot of people are going oh boy what a waste of time well that's just exactly what we don't yeah, need is another right. art blog scene you know we don't need any more anybody else everything is covered and he worked really hard and he was able to get other people to help him and work with him and uh spent a lot of time going out and figuring out how to get some um money flowing into the operation you know
2: the the yeah, cash right.
1: flow always helps and uh, within a couple of years, he now has a couple of the former art <laughs> art scene editors from the Book and Rail are now working for him John Yao and uh, Thomas so that's the kind of opportunities that people have artists have on the internet, and I could use my own you know I hate to use myself as an example, but i you know. I've been in the New York art scene for thirty some odd years. I've had dealers that, you know, were able to sell some paintings and make some money and I've had some really good years and good decades and but it was always relying on the dealers to sort of try to create that kind of interest and the awareness of the work to the general public. The problem with that is that Dealers always have several maybe twenty other people that they're trying to promote they're trying to do this they're trying to do that uh, yeah. they can't focus as much energy on any individual as that individual be, would be able to put on themselves It's like they say right. you know no one loves your children as much as you love your children yeah so um, when it comes time to get those children out into the world or to try to uh, get something happening for those children no one can do it as well as, or, or, or be as involved or engaged or have as much energy as the parent or as, as the artist does about himself so mm-hmm. I think the wonderful thing about the internet is that if you have the energy, if you have the creative uh, abilities to see how to see what the tools are and to come up with creative ways of using them Um, the sky's the limit and I
2: think
1: think that and I've been criticized by a lot of people that oh it's easy for you to say this or easy to say that but I also look back and I see people that have single-handedly created reputations have incomes have businesses or whatever you want to call have careers have careers in the art world Mostly through their own efforts uh, online, I say this is fabulous. And you know, but but the most important part is that I think it's very important to try to give the artist this kind of freedom of independence, that they're they're no longer held down by the whims or the needs or the desires of the dealers, of the critics of the particular publications. Um, and a lot of people have always said, you know, the the art world is so elite, it's so closed, so insular. There's just this little group of art snobs that are running the show. And right. one of the beautiful things is that that's no longer true.
0: Yeah, it seems great, yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, I've, I've connected with a lot more people on Facebook recently, and they're all artists. I, I just sort of... Um, Made a, made a pact with myself to just friend artists now, cause I have enough of my close friends, you know, of course you have your close friend group core, and then you have, you know, all the extra friends. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to let my extra friends be artists, and, you know, and constantly I love them, I'm loving my newsfeed lately, or whatever they call it now, you know, where, you know, I'm just getting image after image of, of people that are doing things, and, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, just to kind of, even though, you know, where I live is not the mecca of art by any means, but, where do you I mean, live, Phil? Some, I live in Taunton, Massachusetts. It's about an hour south of Boston. Huh. Yeah, yeah. We have our uh, sirens going by at the moment, but it shouldn't be too bad. Not. not <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear them, but anyway. Um. um but, yeah, so it's just nice, uh, you know, going back to the Internet and, and how that can be an extension of your, your local um, sort of tribe in a sense. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that there
1: there are other aspects you know we're talking about um, income, but that seems to be a it has always been a bugaboo for artists. Uh, you know, how do you support yourself yeah i uh, I've been involved with some of this um, the wage artist, and it's even it's involved with Occupy Wall Street and some of the artist groups that are sort of engaged with that, and the big bugaboo is always you know the artists have to be paid, the artists have to be paid. And the question is, well, how does that happen? How, you know, what does that mean? And so you're, you're sort of left with this, well, does that mean that the government subsidizes the artists? Does that mean that, you know, somehow, somebody some board somewhere is going to decide well this is an artist and that that person is not an artist or this work this work fits our criteria for funding because it's it doesn't offend such and such a special interest group it doesn't offend you know that special interest group and in certain ways when you start trying to design a um, economic theory or or some way of of funding and of a You know, your practice that way, it ends up reducing the artist down to, like, the most bland kind of bureaucratic, uh, boring, dead-end kind of uh, production that you can imagine. So if you're creative and if you can use the, the Internet in a creative way, you might not be able to generate the... The cash income right away, but I think that there are also other types of of capital that are available out there, and, and one of them could be your reputation in the art world. It could be your yeah. your value to the art community. It could be your little piece of real estate in the history of art. Um, yeah, it, you know there could be a lot of other um, places where value is created. And part of, I think, the creativity that we need to sort of delve into would be how do you then transfer that kind of value somehow into the uh, financial, you know, into the actual the cash yeah, and things. But I think that it's a great. The the internet is a great way to create that value, and I and this is why I keep saying that we have the tools. It's just that we haven't had the creative breakthroughs.
0: Yeah, uh, like like sort of widespread.
1: To get to get to that level where you can actually use those tools to create the kind of cash benefits that people are looking for.
0: Right. And and just need to survive really. I mean, yes. you can you can beat your head against a computer all day, but if you're not getting money, I mean, how can you buy paint kind of thing? That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah. But like, a lot of it is not. It, it's not even about well, selling something on the internet or this or that. But what it might be, and this I can use this as my example. It might be you get a reputation online for being a blogger. You have end up having a reputation of specializing in a particular thing. Maybe you maybe you're an expert in paintings in rural Boston. You know who's moving the this and that in the in the rural Boston art scene. Well, right. guess what? Some college maybe around Boston, but it could be in Florida, is going to say, hey, so-and-so is an expert on this. Why don't we give him a little honorarium, fly him down for a couple of days. He'll talk to our students about this. So that would be a way of somehow generating something that all would come out of, you know, what you're doing.
0: Your presence and and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's really cool. I'm glad you said some of those things. It's nice to have. Um, now, I guess, uh, well, <laughs> I um, I almost cringe at asking this because I think I have an idea what you feel on it, but I shouldn't assume. Um, but how, how important is formal art training to an artist?
1: Well, here is this, – this is where we have to get down to the definitions. When you're saying formal art training, are you talking about academic art training?
0: I would say academic, yeah, like okay. say traditional <laughs> sort of undergrad, you know, versus whatever. Um I
1: think formal art training is a beautiful thing. And by yeah, formal I mean, art training what I'm talking about would be learning about the formal aspects of art. You know, all those things that you learn in art school. Right? Line, color, form. I also think that art history is an extremely valuable part of of art because uh you know, that's that's where all of our the way that we're thinking about what's important and what isn't important comes from. Now, This goes back to what we were saying before the whole question of academia and the money that it costs to get an academic certificate. That, especially, you know, because this goes back to the Occupy Wall Street and some of the other questions that people have with their, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans and all this. Right. I think that this is also an area where we're going to have to rethink, you know, what it means to have an education, what it means to gain knowledge, how do you go about gaining knowledge and maybe not having to become uh, submissive yeah. to this bureaucratic structure. Yeah. And just as we were talking about having the ability to uh, create and generate a career in the art world through the Internet, I think that for people that are creative that there would also be a potential to be able to garner a certain amount of your education and especially the aspects of academic education that are not really involved in the studio and and the studio practice and that. But as far as some of the technical aspects of things, you know, you could learn about um, art history. You could learn about um, the history of aesthetics, art criticism, um, even things like paint chemistry and things like that—you could learn a lot of that yeah. online. And right.
0: especially now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you wanted to, I—I I just recently was uh, given a notice by YouTube. They sent me a personal. I mean, I've been putting stuff on YouTube for five or for six years now. Yeah. Never in all that time have I ever got a letter—a letter from YouTube. Hi, oh, this God. is so and so from. But I got a letter from YouTube saying, "Hi, this is Michael so and so from the educational." branch of YouTube. Uh, the recent article wow. in the New York Times was great to see. Most people think of YouTube as kittens and babies, but I yeah. happen to run the educational branch of YouTube and we are going to now link your channels up to our educational channel which features programming produced by Harvard, Yale, Princeton, wow. the Cohen Institute, uh, PBS, uh, BBC, yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah. There is...
0: There what is was the last one? I'm sorry. I missed a lot. Was it IBC or something? Did BBC. It... BBC. I don't know where yeah. IBC came from, but...
1: So, I also, a lot of times, I mean, uh, I have gone on to YouTube and I've looked... Uh, I was interested in the Frankfurt School and I actually clicked on that. One of the great things is I can take my computer into the studio and I'll be working on something. I'll be painting and I'll just turn the sound up and I'll... So, I'm listening to some guy give lectures on the various yeah. members of the Frankfurt school, right, and they had interviews with uh who was a Makusa talking about his theories and all and it's so great I can sit in there and I can it would be almost like sitting in a classroom with these people,
0: yeah right
1: I can be still working making paintings or doing drawings or whatever and listening to all this stuff. And if it's, you know, something I don't get it, it's like, great, I'll just go back and replay this.
2: Yeah, it's great. And I can
1: replay it ten times until I have it memorized if I want to. And so in in that way, um, you can get a a lot of educational benefit from the Internet. Now, getting back to what you're talking about as far as academic training goes, I don't think any of it is bad, but the question of going into debt and how deeply you're willing to go into debt for yeah. um, what basically is a very shaky career move that yeah. that is in certain ways it's almost morally corrupt that uh, some of these people would pile on $80,000, $120,000 worth of debt on some poor 21-year-old uh, lady who, I know, yeah. And then send her out saying, Oh great, now go be an artist and make a hundred, you know, fifty thousand yeah, dollars a year yeah. so you can pay us back in three or four or five or ten or fifteen or twenty you know, in certain ways that's kind of corrupt. It's a, a corruption. Mean, it because <laughs> let's face it, the art being an artist is not the same kind of a career track as being a nurse, being a mechanic, being a doctor, right. being a lawyer um all of these other um highly skilled professions are uh right. the percentage of people that actually make a living from being an artist is minuscule. Yeah. So when you're taking these thing. people's money sure. <laughs> and uh, piling debt on their backs and a lot of this also you know These people are talking, you know, the the people that are working, the professors and so on and so forth, are saying, well, gee, I've got to have a better pension, I've got to have better health care, I've got to have better this, I've got to have better that. Oh, God forbid that I should ever cut back. But then they're doing all this on the back of these poor, starving students that are basically out there waiting tables, driving yeah. cabs if they're the, lucky, doing construction work or
0: yeah, being yeah, really.
1: secretaries or something at minimal minimum wage so that these people that are, you know, supposedly their their educators can have these, you know, juicy benefits yeah. and pensions. I don't know, it just seems kind of um
0: questionable <laughs> Questionable, good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy. So
1: uh, when you talk about the formal art training, those, are, and I think that these problems are just getting worse and worse. I, you know, as, yeah. as as the economy, the world economy, and all these things uh, starts to evolve with globalization and what's happening with uh, technology and all these things, it's it's really getting to a point where you have to be a lot more engaged. You have to be a lot smarter. You have to be a lot more creative about how you approach all these things that. You know these institutions were supposed to provide for you before now whether it's the right. government, whether it's the schools, whether it's these businesses or corporations nothing is is um, as stable as people seem to perceive that it was ten fifteen twenty thirty years ago. this stuff is all in flux, and the only way yeah. that you can can approach it in a um, safe and and uh, Valid way that's going to help yourself is to be on top of all this stuff and trying to use your tools creatively.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm here and I'm fumbling over my words. I just, I, I'm in a position where I'd like to teach at the college level, and you know, with, with what little I know about how to actually get there. I mean, my first response is to go back to school. You know, and and you know, dealing with my own issues of uh, having a student loan it doesn't seem like it can happen, you know, and, it, and it's it's really, it's daunting, it's scary, it's, you know, it's oppressive, it's...
1: Well, I've, you know, I, I went to school, I, I've had formal university art school instructions, I also went to school at the Art Students League on the GI Bill, <laughs> and um, a lot of my friends, you know, people that wanted to be artists, couldn't really make it as artists, but have Sort of fallen back on academia and have gotten teaching jobs, and yeah, yeah. I don't I don't begrudge them that because that you know basically just surviving as an artist is is the important thing. So whatever right. you have to do to survive as an artist, I accept and I say more power to them. On right. the other hand, uh, I don't have a degree. I don't no. have a I don't have a piece of paper saying. You know, Lauren Monk fulfilled these obligations yeah. to get this piece of paper and paid in X number of dollars. That's going right. to finance our pensions and so on and so forth. So we can give him a piece of paper, then then we can sort of invite him into our little club, where we can all get together and and pull the wool over these young people's eyes to get their money. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, is that because I do love art and I have a passion for art, and like I said, I think that it's very important to encourage people to look at art and think about art and talk about art. With my writing and with the videos and some of the other parts, even the mapping and the recording history of art, in a lot of ways, these all, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I have the, I don't know, maybe overly inflated idea that some of these might have educational
0: value yeah and um, I, I think so and in the venue that they're presented in it, it's just like you said you're, you contribute i mean you're contributing to those those for lack of a better term uh, alternative sort of ways of getting an education yes of seeing what's out there you know and and uh you know that doesn't give you a certificate or a, or a bachelor's or a master's but not you personally but i mean like someone going to your work you know, whether it's the videos or what have you, to, to, to get that kind of information. But, Absolutely. You know, and and not a, it just goes full circle.
1: And not a week goes by that I don't get one or maybe several emails from people all over the world that write me and say, oh, I love your videos. What you're doing right. is so important. I learned more from your videos than I learned in three years at such and such college. You know, you're you're opening up things to me that my professors could never open up to me because they weren't part of the art scene. They don't live in New York. They've never been to New York. They never went to, you know, (laughs) the Museum of Modern Art. They never went to a gallery open. They don't know who any of these people are. Um, So in that way, although I'm not an academic, I do feel like I'm, you know, in certain ways, like I said, it's like being part of the tribe and... You get your information where you can get your information at, and ultimately—that's
0: right. that's an important part. Yeah.
1: Ultimately, what it comes down to is, again, you have access to tools, and it's how you use those tools that is right. important. So, if you can get tools on the internet, and you can use that to create whatever artifact or product you want to create and, and you do it in such a way that it is of high quality and it is of value and people are interested in it, well, that's ultimately what your what your goal is.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you can create whether it's, you know, I mean, there, there's two sides to it or at least like two major sides, there's the online sort of artistic life and then there's the studio practice life and, you know, just using them to help help each other is probably the trick in some way.
1: Well, that's why I I don't really consider... You know, I don't see it as as my online life versus my studio life. And that's okay. one of the great things about... And when I started, I guess it was about 12 or 13 years ago, I, I had a career doing other types of work and being fairly successful. And like a lot of people, you have, you're an artist, you have your little signature style or whatever it is, and you have a dealer, and, and you're sort of like this little... Business and and you know I did that for several years and not, it's not that yeah. I was making a ton of money but I was able to support my family and get by and do this and that and um, then like I said I just you know when I when those things went away my dealer went out of business other people I worked with were old and retired and it came down to me I realized you know what I have to do. Things in a different way, and then I realized uh, what I wanted to do was do things that would be important to the community and also things that I was interested in. Excuse me. <coughs> and um, so when I kind of started doing all of these things and putting them all together the writing, the painting, and the video I did it in such a way that they're all part of the same practice. I don't feel like there's a division at all when I do any of Yeah. Them.
0: That's important. I think it's hard to do, Uh, just from my point of view, because like I said, I have a couple of blogs, too, myself, and I just seem like, it seems like to me that there's a great disconnect from my studio life to my, not to get into that too much, but um, I think if you, if one can do that, it's, it's, uh, it's very um, rewarding in some way.
1: And it just Um, makes it easier.
0: Yeah, true. You know, you're
1: not begrudging, you're not begrudging the time that you're taking to do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, now this uh, this next question I I think you have but um, who are some of your favorite artists now this could be um yeah, however you want to put it I guess in some way it could be from the past could be from the current things going on or 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 just influences or
1: yeah of course I'll tell you um, we'll start in the past uh, I think Ed Reinhardt is is somebody that I really look up to a lot. And not yeah. particularly because of his black paintings, you know, his black uh, square paintings. <laughs> but um, I really liked a lot of the the stuff that he did that he considered cartoons. But in a lot of ways, I think that those pieces are very important because they really sort of uh, spell out his, his aesthetics. Yeah. And... Um, he was one of these kind of grouchy guys that had, you know he he had no fear about sticking the thumb his thumb in these other people 's eyes, you no know, whether it was the abstract expressionist or the pop artist or any of these other people you know it, he, he was an equal he was an equal opportunity annoyer you know he would just oh, get, <laughs> he would get everybody pissed off at him about all kinds of things,
2: yeah,
1: but I think that um I like I like the fact that he didn't just go along with the crowd but in a lot of ways he was a very unique and he was in in a lot of ways he was uh, also a, a forerunner of, of minimalism and a whole kind of um thinking that in certain ways was based on dada but it also had aspects of the eastern philosophy and things like that and um I, I think that he was just a, he was a great uh, a great wit and uh, someone that I, I admire um right. Along with him, as far as people from the past, of course, you know, I love the Picassos and the Matisse's and Pollock and all those guys. Um, but there's people that are really important to me. I think another guy is Alfred Jensen,
2: okay.
1: who uh, he's actually got to show up now on, at Pace on 57th Street, and I'm going to be posting a video about that in a couple of days. It's in conjunction with um, it's a two-person show. He, he and Saul LeWitt. I think he oh, was wow. he was a very important artist also because in a lot of ways he was another one of these people who was really a unique artist that wasn't really part of any movement, had a very uh, recognizable and specific direction that wasn't really part of abstract expressionism, it wasn't part of minimalism, right. but in certain ways he also was a forerunner of a lot of other things. and the fact that he was using a lot of uh systems and diagrams and um information that wouldn't right off the bat sort of shout out and say, Oh, we're art and you could make art out of us, you know, like the, the I Ching or the Mayan calendar, things like oh, wow. that I I think makes him important. And I also just love the way that he was a very um very physical painter. I don't know whether you're yeah. familiar with his work or not, but
0: um uh, Not really, uh, sadly, but I will look it up. Um more, more so.
1: Uh, he just uh, he had this very um, direct way of of applying the paint. He would he would just design his his diagrams or whatever, and then it was just like go in and and do the painting, and then move on to the next one. And each one of the colors had like a <laughs> mystical value for him. As far as contemporary yeah. artists go, um, I actually feel very lucky uh, being part of the the Brooklyn art scene. Right. And um, this goes back to what I was saying about being part of the tribe and and supporting and having your little group of tribe members.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the analogy.
1: I've been lucky enough to have, have known a couple of people and supported. Uh, Chris Martin is one of them. Um, okay. I met Chris... Oh, just been 12 or 13 years ago at a little show in Greenpoint. Got to know me. Both shared a passion for Alfred Jensen. Chris is just a great guy. He's a funny guy, very generous guy, very crazy guy, very serious about his painting. Yeah, but I've also been able to write reviews about some of his shows over a long period of time, and I've also done a lot of videos about his his work and his practice, and um, to have seen him, you know, he's an interesting artist. In the like a lot of people, he's probably in his late fifties now. Like a lot of people in New York, he came to town maybe mid late seventies. Sort of got involved in that whole art boom that was happening during the 80s. Um, showed with some pretty good galleries in Soho in Manhattan. Um, then towards the end of the 80s, you know, the art market crashed and things started to get bad. And there was <laughs> the AIDS epidemic, and a lot of a lot of shit came down on the art community. And um, At that point, for a lot of people, um, their art careers just collapsed, and uh, having seen it myself, having lived through and been part of that whole thing, um, a lot of the people who were part of the community just disappeared. A lot of them took off. A lot of them, you know, it's like we were talking about. They couldn't make a living, and they had to do something to make a living, so they left town, and they're selling real estate or carpenters out somewhere else and maybe they get into the studio or some a lot of them just gave up and and are doing totally different things and i don't begrudge them that but um chris kept doing that and um for years he was he was also doing these huge paintings and nobody's paying attention to huge black and white paintings yeah
2: uh for years
1: and years and years like a decade and uh everybody liked him in the and he was quite a well-known character and um but nobody was paying attention to him. He had a few people that were sort of knew him and, and supported him, that he had you know, he had made a, had relationships with over the years. And um, then, I guess, partially because of his relationship with the Brooklyn Rail, but also because I think that uh, people's attitudes towards middle-aged artists had started to change somewhat. About uh, five years ago, people started to look at him and sort of go, "Well, gee, this is pretty interesting." Uh, You know, we, you know, we're we're not so interested in these twenty-two-year-old grad students that are starting out at Gagosian and these other things. We're kind of interested in people that have got some kind of a history, the story, and things like that. So, yeah, Yeah. um, it was great for me to be able to be, you know, maybe a little part of getting people to sort of notice people like Chris, he was involved in the rail, so I got to know him better through that, uh, spent a lot of time in the studio, I wrote reviews about him and things and um, now he's he's become one of the hot shots, you know Sachi has included him in a couple of their major shows, has work in their collections he's just had a yeah. major major museum show at um, I think it was the Düsseldorf Academy, I'm not sure had a show a museum show at the Corcoran during the summer that I went down for and, um, so he's, in a lot of ways, he's broken through and right. I feel very proud and honored to be just part of the community that is supporting him. And it's just so great to see that happen. Another guy that, yeah. um, well, I shouldn't brag about this, but it's true. I, I, um, I'm a big fan of William Pojeda. Okay. And, or Pohita. <laughs> you want however to you say. It. It, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh,
1: I wrote the first review about his work that ever appeared in a, a, a publication, and wow, that was probably yeah. about six or seven years ago.
0: Okay,
1: uh, we showed together at a tiny little gallery, Damstul Trager in Brooklyn. Um, I think William is also, in certain ways, is kind of like Ad Reinhardt in that it's hard to just sort of figure out where he's going and what the next move is, and he's. He's a very complex guy, and has got a lot of various uh, directions that he's going in, and uh, yeah. he seems to do a pretty good job of uh, keeping me befuddled as to where things are going. Because he seems to be
2: going <laughs> where,
1: wherever I don't expect it to go, that's where he seems to be going. Yeah. But um, this yeah. is someone else that's that I I've followed over the years, and have written reviews about, and done videos about, and have supported him. And, and now I feel like he's also someone that has broken through and uh, it just feels good to, you know, to yeah. be part of, maybe a little part of sort of pushing these guys over the finish line, or at least maybe getting them up to the starting line. The yeah, they're, they're they're, they're um, known on a national or international level, and I, it,
0: it's just yeah. very,
1: very, very satisfying to see this happen with them.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like that seeing your friends succeed. I mean, it's just you know, even if it's, whether it's local, national, international, like you were saying, it's just, you know, yes. yeah, I mean, you just get inspired, I mean, it, it, there's nothing bad, like, you know, like, I think you were saying earlier that there's some people that sort of lock themselves in their studio and don't really go out and see what other people are doing for whatever reason, but even if you see work that's like yours, and that may, cr- you know, may make you uh, cringe for for a second, but in reality, you think, like, wow, someone's picking up on, on, on a riff, or, or, you know, or just you know, speaking the same language, which can be inspiring too, you know? I Absolutely. Mean, just, yeah. And it's just, you can feed off of one another. Which I think it's really important because it, it takes a lot of energy to do what we do, I think. And anywhere that you can get the inspiration or energy from, I think is important, you know, regardless of where it comes from, I guess. That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my, um, I guess I can close with this question and uh we'll see how this goes. Uh can you use three to five words to describe your work?
1: Um, demystifying the art world recon. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Well,
1: laughs> okay. that's kind of what I'm doing is uh, kind of taking taking the art world and and trying to dig through the, yeah. the myths. And the um, the barriers that have been created by oh, the media and different things, and uh, yeah, stripping all that away and, and delivering the straight juice to the <laughs> to the commoner out there uh, looking yeah. at it and wondering, what the hell is art, what is the art world? Right, you know, and I'm, exactly. I'm like this little uh, commando that's running around, sneaking in, <laughs> sneaking in, doing the, getting the information, and then bringing it out and sending it back to headquarters. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, that's great. No, I like that. Um, no, can, do you mind repeating that, just, just for the sake of uh, If
1: I can remember, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, Delectifying the
1: Art World Recon.
0: Oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Well, um, I, I can't thank you enough, Lauren Monk, for talking with me on Odcast.
1: Well, thank you, Phil, and thanks for the interest.
0: No problem. For more on Lauren Monk, please visit laurenmonk.com. That's L O R E N M U N K.com. Thanks for listening to Odcast. This has been Odcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.